So is this the Maverick show today? Is that what we're doing? I guess. For better or for worse. For better and for worse. Yeah, both. <laughs> the highs and lows of, <laughs> of <laughs> the sports fandoms giveth and the sports fandoms take out of the way. Well, before we get to that stuff, we had some news close to home in the triangle this week that this is going to be Coach K's last season coaching basketball. Yeah, and he's just going to go right off in the sunset, just call it a nice career, and just like Rory Williams, just like just fade right into the nothingness of retirement. Right, guys? Just as we all expected, Coach K leaves quietly. <laughs> to start his next phase of life. Um, no, he's getting that farewell tour treatment this year. Um, which, at least for me, if you're Coach K, if anyone can do a farewell tour, I guess he can do a farewell tour. And really, really, is it appropriate if he does it any other way? Um, it'll, it'll be a better farewell tour if they schedule Maryland for the ACC Big Ten Challenge. Listen, <laughs> that would be something. I mean, if you're going to do it, you better do it right. At Maryland. <laughs> that would require them to have an away game. I I think that would be super fun. I was watching the Wizard series. Well, it was Wizard Sixer series. And I saw Alex Lynn playing. I just got like straight flashbacks of those. That what, like 2011, 2012 Maryland teams. Gravis Vasquez, a name I haven't thought of in many, many years. <laughs> But yeah, Coach K, and they've already, they did a coaching search. They hired us. Did y'all see that they hired a search firm? Yeah, about a 10-day process, too. That seems like a waste of money to me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I thought for a split second that, uh, or crap, uh, Brad Stevens was going to be offered the job, especially because it's the same day. Is the announcement that he's stepping down from head coach but becoming president of operations for the Celtics. So I was just like, oh, I feel like this is just he's in the placeholder to take the Duke position. That was a wild morning of news. I mean, and that, there's just a lot of coaching, like both like college and NBA. A lot of the landscape is changing with coaches retiring, coaches being fired, and such. I just don't know how Brad Stevens is going to be able to handle commuting from Boston to Bloomington to Durham and back <laughs> to coach Indiana and Duke while also being the Celtics president. Unprecedented. <laughs> uh, it really was like the perfect leak of information though. Cause it was okay. Danny Ainge is stepping down to, Hey, Brad Stevens no longer going to be the head coach is moving into a new role. And then coach K is retiring pause next year just long enough for everyone to get there brad stevens takes off um i i genuinely don't think it's a coincidence that there was an anonymous gm quote that was like the players have too much power this is the worst thing ever and then like and then danny age steps down down. i'm like using my big brain today I, i think those two things probably related who's to say who's to say but I think it's quite interesting. From from what I've seen and heard on the internet recently, it's definitely Danny Ainge. Um, but yeah, they so apparently we had a 10-day search, and John Shire, national champion, 2010 team, the one that beat Gordon Hayward, 
Um, he's going to be a new head coach in a year. I feel like that's kind of weird, though. Like, I wonder if they're going to have a situation where Shire's going to maybe overstep his bounds as an assistant coach or at least try to, or if Kay's going to willingly let that in a, a little bit. I don't know. That's going to be a – I feel like it's going to be like – you know, in like they said their later Royal years that Hubert Davis was like going along with him on all the trips. I feel like it's probably going to be one of those situations. I mean – and having said that, though, Shire's a really strong recruiter. If I'm not mistaken, he led Zion and R.J. Barrett's recruitment. So he, he's definitely um, earned his stripes in, on the recruiting trail. So um, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I think that's a really good pickup in that aspect. I don't, I'm not Perhaps maybe the pixie dust being rubbed off of Kay's shoulder onto Shire, uh, making that job easier. But uh, with him as coach now, I'm curious to see how those battles will go. Well, that was going to be what I was going to say, because I feel like it's probably a little easier to recruit from John Shire's position when you say, well, Coach K is on the other end of this, yeah. you know, whereas John Shire as a recruiter with Coach K, like you were saying, like rubbing off, you know, with Coach K off his shoulder, um, you know, when when that's gone, you know, you got to have to rely on your, your own coaching chops, you know. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, you know. I, if I would have get, I would not have guessed. Well, maybe I could, because like we all knew that Coach K was gonna handpick whoever it was gonna be. There was no oh, yeah. like, I don't understand why there was gonna be a coach. I don't understand why there was a search firm. Uh, that, that's the stupidest thing ever. You don't think that the the most uh, successful and tenured and 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 probably goat coach of all time in college basketball doesn't get a say in whose successor is? Like, I, you think Duke? You think Duke administration was gonna be like? You know, Coach K, you know, I know you know your stuff, but I think we got this one. You know, <laughs> best job in college we don't sports, wanna, best we don't job wanna, in sports, period. We don't want to stress you out too much with the coaching search. No, we, we got this. <laughs> I think we should end the podcast and become a search firm. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'd do it. Now, uh, it, it, I think it's going to be very fitting the very last regular season. It's going to be against Carolina and it's going to be in Cameron Indoor. I mean, get that broom out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm saying the, who, the whatever students get that ticket, they even for Duke, they might be able to pay off their tuition if well, they scalp those. Well, it's not really possible to scalp Duke's tickets because you get a it's you don't a get a ticket. It's a wristband that you get put on in line, so it's not really possible to transfer those tickets like Carolina tickets. I don't know. Have you seen what they do with those people um, are creative. wristbands? I think you underestimate people's creativity. I think you're underestimating the wristband fraud to albums of top college students. <laughs> I've, I've seen this movie before. <laughs> so uh, hopefully Hubert Davis joins Dean Smith as being the only coach that has a winning record against Coach K and goes 2-0 against him. <laughs> Doesn't know the sweep. But yeah, I, I, I think... Uh, a lot of these broadcasts this year, uh, this year is going to be pretty insufferable, um, printing it around. But hey, it's one more season. Let's get through it. Are they going to do the respect shirts that they did the year that Derek Jeter retired, but instead of a two, a K? I don't. I don't know about all that. If, I I wouldn't put it past them to do just about anything. So, what now? What do you think the welcome is going to be in the Dean Dome when they walk in? Uh, I feel like, oh, candidly, it's going to get really nasty. And then there's going to be like, like, 
Roy Williams is probably going to come out of the seats and be like, <laughs> like, <laughs> I think maybe it starts ha- good at the beginning and then it gets nasty at the end. I feel like it would be the other way around, but I don't know. I feel like it'll be positive until the first time he complains to a ref and then it's just gonna, <laughs> it's going to be vitriol like always from the, from there on out. Now I know we were going on to other topics, but keeping in, we can at least keep in the triangle. I'm not sure if that if we had talked about this earlier, we had a commitment as well on our end of the court. Yeah, go for it. Um, so we uh, finally it was uh, after a year and a half of visits uh, being delayed because of the pandemic. The very first official visit for Carolina basketball resulted in a commitment from one Will Shaver, coming from Alabama. He's a 6'10", 245-pound pure center. Uh, but as uh, uh, we don't a, really know how tall he is, actually, <laughs> if we're being I mean, honest, no one has no clue how tall this child is. He, he looks he's he's got some broadness to him. And so I think they're saying he's definitely a pure five. So I, I kind of like that where, you know, exactly what position he's going to play. And I think that can help with the fours kind of better differentiating. But still, um what seems like what exactly what Hubert Davis is wanting that someone not only who has a really nice touch around the rim, who can use his body and size to get to the rim and get really good buckets, but is a shooter as well. It can get in the mid range, can shoot from three. And it sounds like uh, on this official visit, I'm not sure how regular this was. I, I really didn't pay attention to this, but apparently he got the scrimmage with both active players and alumni. And apparently he turned some heads in the scrimmage that they had. And so in Armando, visit, you can do that. Yeah. Armando put out the tweet. He's like, he's a problem. I've seen it with my own eyes. And uh, they're saying like he hit some threes, hit some jump, some really good jump shots, got a big uh, breakaway dunk and everything. So I'm, I think the big thing people went off the back, I think he's ranked like 146th right now in the country. Right now. Right, right now. Where we but, like a lot of virtually all of the rankings right now are pretty skewed just due to the lack of tape and lack of evaluation because of the pandemic, either with the two, four, seven and rivals and all the recruiting staffs not being able to go to games and games just not happening. Um, so I think when it's all said and done, will change. Yeah. When it's all said and done, he's going to be a, a four or five star. Yeah, I, maybe not a five star, but definitely a four star by the time I, would, um, I could say really. probably top 50 to 70 player. Yeah, and I, I honestly, and the had an interview said this was his dream school, and I mean that that always helps. And so, literally committed right after his official visit. Um, so I, I at least appreciate that. I'll take a lower ranked person that still has talent, and I mean not completely unranked, but he's very highly rated even as it stands right now. That wants to be here, and again, that's what Hubert even said. He wants guys who want to be here and want to serve. Carolina instead of serving their own self-interest. And so I'll take a slightly lower ranked guy that at least gives off that vibe. Now he will be here next, not this season, but next season. So speaking of next season, what is the heat looking like for Kevin Keats right now? What are the expectations in Raleigh for the season after this one? I mean, how many players do they have on the team right now? Because that's a great question. <laughs> they don't have enough. Is the answer? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how many people transferred. Who was it that transferred to Mississippi State? 
Uh, Shaq Moore. And then uh, Braxton Beverly transferred, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but that was like a, a grad transfer situation, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. But still, still leaving they, the program. He ain't playing for them. Uh, was it LeVar? What do you, uh, was, was what do you expect uh, from Kevin Keats right now? I think he has a year before his seat gets hot. Like, if they suck again this year, then I think that he could have a warm seat next year. What year is this for him again? This is year number five coming up. Oh, yeah. They, if, listen, if they, don't, if they don't get something done in this next year, I feel like you're – because how long did Godfrey get? Godfrey got – he got seven, seven or eight years. Okay. Because Sidney Lowe left, like – Early 2010s, right? Something I like say, that. That sounds right. That that feels right. I'm just trying to remember the last time I saw a bright red suit before Kevin's Keats <laughs> on their sideline. I literally don't pay enough attention to NC State athletics to know. I one thing that's interesting about these hires from Carolina and Duke is that the fan bases might be a little softer on them because we know them, and I feel like there's going to be a little leeway for both Hero Davis and John Shire, just because of fond memories for both of them. I don't think the patience is going to be there in year seven of Kevin Keats if they aren't a top, uh, a two. If they're making the turn. If they're not making the tournament. Consistently. Yeah. yeah. If they aren't expected to make, if they make the tournament this year and then are expected to make it again, I, it's just, who, uh, I think you are leaving out the important detail, though, that Kevin Keats is a winner. Uh, I think some a lot of the records uh, seem to contradict that. You cannot undervalue the fact that he is a winner. That's what they keep telling me. All right, let's make uh, Mav happy for a little bit. <laughs> Briefly. Briefly, Julio Jones finally found uh, the Falcons found a trade partner with the Tennessee Titans. Julio's going to the Titans. The Falcons receive a second round draft pick. Is there anything else? So, that? Uh, Tennessee receives Julio Jones in a 2023 sixth round pick. Uh, Tennessee sends a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 fourth round pick. Okay. That sounds and about we, fair. And we take on Julio's full contract, which um, Ooh, being, uh, that's that's the part I was waiting to hear. I didn't know how who was taking what way yeah. to the. And so I believe Tannehill is getting his contract restructured to accommodate for it, um, and I think he's happy to do it. So I, it seems like the the writing was on the wall for several weeks now that it was either somewhere like New England, Tennessee. Or, or even Seattle, I think, got mentioned. I think the Rams briefly got mentioned, but Diane recently quickly put them out. Uh, I mean, I think the big thing was is just how big his contract was. Some teams just did not have the cap to be able to restructure their contracts and take it on. Um, luckily, Tennessee got the deal done. I honestly think it, it really you really can't evaluate until the picks get picked or you know who those are. Um, but I, I don't put as much – stock in NFL draft picks as I would maybe an NBA draft pick. Um, I'd rather take Julio Jones now. And then if they get a good player, good for them. Uh, because at this point on paper, this is by far the strongest wide receiver core the Tennessee Titans have ever had. 
is the reason why we run the ball a lot and have historically run the ball a lot because we, we just don't have receivers. And now you have A.J. Brown, who is one of the NFL's budding and our young wide receivers, uh, and you're going to put him opposite of Julio Jones, who, when healthy, is arguably one of the is the best wide receiver in in the, in the NFL. And then on top of that, you have Derrick Henry, which is the best running back in the NFL. Uh, thank God he's out of the division. Good Lord. So, uh, <laughs> so thank you. Yeah, that could be of help. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm personally excited. I know he's on the end of his prime. I'm not going to expect him to be the Julio Jones of five years ago. But I don't necessarily think he has to be because we have all the other weapons. It's just an icing on the cake. My biggest thing since the beginning of Titans free agency was is that we we just need a stronger wide receiver core because especially the last season or two, even with Derek Kimmer rushing for 2,000 yards, teams in critical moments just sell out on the run and just make sure to – in critical moments to just make sure that Derrick Henry can't gash for stuff because, and they don't have to respect the wide receivers uh, just because they're just not up to that same caliber as a lot of teams. And so now they have to be, you have to literally pick your poison. Now you want to either stack the box and step Derrick Henry and then put one-on-one situations for both AJ Brown and Julio Jones, or do you want to spread out your defense and give Derrick Henry that wide open gap to run the ball? So I think that's exactly what Tennessee has needed. We've never really had that before. Um, and I think the Tennessee Titans have just become a very fun team. Are we putting Ryan Tannehill on MVP watch? I wouldn't say I, I won't say in MVP watch, but he's he's highly underrated as a as a quarterback. When you when you look at stats on efficiency, completion percentage, deep ball throws uh, is in the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the league. And so very, he flies under the radar. And I think, I mean, this will be the, the true test. So really wants to see what kind of skills and what kind of talent he has as a quarterback. He can't blame it on anything else at this point. He's going to have two, probably two of the top 15 wide receivers in the league. And you have a, a heck of a running back. So it's not going to be for a lack of weapons this year. How's your uh, defense? It's very young, uh, to be quite honest. And we got a, We finally named somebody a, a defensive coordinator. Remember, we didn't have a defensive coordinator last year. Mike Grable was just calling the plays. Um, and then we upgraded our tight ends coach to offensive coordinator, same as what Arthur Smith was when he got promoted. So I don't think you have to drastically change the offense. And I don't think just because it's new persons it's, – pretty simple just give the ball to the right people um and let them make the magic so it's there's definitely defense is by far the question mark we were the worst third down defense team last year uh, we can only go up com- yeah you can only get better uh we have some i mean we completely wiped the board with our cornerbacks malcolm butler went to the cardinals Dory jackson went to the giants uh, we brought in Elijah Moulton from Washington and Caleb Barley from Virginia Tech. We still have Christian Fulton, who had some really good stretches last year. We have filled up a lot better on the defensive line. We got Tanika Autry. Uh, we got Bud Dupree from the Steelers. Uh, we definitely got some new pieces, and it seems like, at least to, to Vrabel and the staff, that it was more of an execution and personnel thing rather than coaching. Uh, so, that we'll see how that works this season around because we have the new people now. Um, 
and we'll see how the execution is this time around. So, the Chiefs, better than the Titans. Yes, I will still say better. The Bills, better than the Titans. I'd say yes. Did they, not, did they lose? Uh, oh, what's his uh, wide receiver? Oh, um, why am I blanking on him? Stephon Diggs. Diggs. Did they lose? Didn't they lose Diggs? Let me look. I don't think so. Um, they did not. Okay. I thought he had his contract might run. They might have re-signed him. I mean, I think equal. We beat the Bills last year. Um, I, I would say equal to the Bills. Okay, the Ravens. The Ravens I say the Titans stink. are better than the Ravens. The Ravens stink. Ravens are here. a matchup problem. I would say not better, but they are just a bad matchup. Okay. Um, I think that at this point, the Titans are better than the Steelers. Yeah, the Steelers also stink. The Browns? Best team in the NFL. I think it's oh, a wash. It's even. So, <laughs> so the Browns. I think, I think this – should he be healthy and be on the field at least 10 of the 17 games this year, I think this instantly makes Tennessee a playoff team. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I feel like – they have the opportunity to get up to a two seed in the playoffs. I think. Yeah. I think that depends a lot on what the what the Bills look like and what the Browns look like. Um, I do think that the Titans are better than the Ravens at this point. Yeah, the Ravens stink. But I <laughs> now uh, to satisfy my my friends uh, from the Indianapolis area, I believe the Colts are probably another team people want to try to mention. Um, I want to see. I think I Dan Orlovsky, former court Colts player, and I think also Pat McAfee, who just does not like Tennessee either because of his time playing for the Colts, were saying like that this 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 is what put Tennessee over the hump and made them a better team than the Colts because up to this trade, the Colts were a better team. And I was like, what's more big if if Julio's going to play fifty percent of the games, or is Carson Wentz going to be a productive player? I feel like that. It kind of washes out a little bit. I, I have to see it from Indianapolis first. I don't buy it yet. But I, th- I do think that the Titans are going to be very good. I think you're going to have a lot of fun next year, Mav. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. We're not going to – it's not going to be boring games like it was like three years ago where we're scoring – winning by field goals and things like that. All right. Is it playoffs time? Well, you, yeah. You got all my positive – like my endorphins <laughs> rushing and everything, and then I just – my it just clicked. I was like, oh, now here we go. Well, let's just let's just tick down the Wikipedia list. We'll do it that way. Uh, Sixers beat the Wizards. I, uh, we are trying to figure out what Joel Embiid's arm looks like as they are taking on the Hawks. That um, with a little lemon booty at the end, uh, pulled it out. Uh, how do we feel about the Sixers Hawks series or the Hawks Knicks series? Since we didn't get a good yeah. chance to talk about that, the I mean. I think the Hawks have by far been the surprise of the playoffs so far. I mean, Trey Young has just absolutely won off and been on like a Luka level uh, in terms of scoring and just absolutely showing out against teams. I mean, I was expecting the Knicks to look like they were the entire season, and then they turned into the New York Knicks and completely just choked. And 
yeah, to the chagrin of Spike Lee and all Knicks fans, they just absolutely crumbled. It was a fun two games. <laughs> so the... I was expecting the Knicks to either sweep or a gentleman sweep. And then the, the Hawks just completely turned it around and ended because up beating them. The Knicks were whole season was predicated on playing hard, playing uh, a suffocating defense when they needed to, and getting timely buckets from Julius Randle. And none of that happened. <laughs> no. Particularly Tom that Thibodeau last would part. be a fantastic college coach. He would be the best college coach in the country, and he will never win the finals. <laughs> he will never win the finals as a head coach. So, yeah, unfortunately, Theo Pinson's cheerleading just could not get them over the hump. They love him very though. No, like, they, I, they I think they'll keep him. Dude. And it's hard not to love Theo. Who doesn't want that kind of a player on your bench with just endless positivity and motivation? Someone who's boring. <laughs> so, yeah, I, that was, the, I think, this, the Hawks have definitely been the surprise of the series. And with Joel now being injured, I mean, the Hawks took game one against the 76ers. I mean, if Joel doesn't play, I think the Hawks could beat him. They just did it. So it's With just going to do it three more times. Yeah, I am a little surprised at today. Um, the Sixers were my pick to go to get out the East. And I, I, they, I think they were mine too. I did not expect this Trey Young to happen. And it's been fun. He's in whole like an entire super villain is is incredible <laughs> yeah um someone was saying like for i think this that the trade for trey young and luca might be the most balanced trade in NBA history in terms of not only was it pretty even but they're both were really good players you weren't going wrong with either way and both fan bases are happy yeah well not one a little bit less happy than the others, but maybe with the single person, yes. With with the, just that person, they're happy. So the Bucks swept the Heat. Um, the Nets. Uh, yeah, it was after that first game, a little bit shocking. And then the Nets had a gentleman's with the uh, Boston Celtics. We now have the Bucks playing the Nets. Uh, Nets are up one nothing in that series. Jazz also made it out. In- Pretty easy fashion. They took down Memphis. We're going to skip over Dallas Clippers for just a second. Um, John after- Morant is really fun to watch. Just a <laughs> side note, I really love John Morant. John Morant is super fun to watch. Um, also fun to watch Dame Lillard, uh, who seems like, even though he said he would, he's not going to leave chasing a championship, is growing more and more frustrated with Portland, and I would too. They fired their coach. Terry Sauce is gone. Yep. They were talking Jason Kidd for a while, but I think this morning you took his name out of the hat. He did. I think that would have been a really nice pickup. Um, but, yeah, I can see the same thing. Dame's just like Luca. Luke, they need help, and they aren't getting it. Yeah, for sure. From the people around them. Maybe they should just team up together. I, I'd, I'd be okay with that. And Phoenix took out the Lakers. Uh, We're getting a new champ. New champ this year. Does this mean that the Lakers were bubble boys all along? 
I don't know. I mean, that's a <laughs> it's a quick turnaround. Like it's already hard to to repeat, but also then go and try to repeat with a season that's two months following. I was going to say with, with no off season. Yeah, I mean that that's just extremely tough, and they just had a really bad break with all the injuries. This is like basically the the high like the worst injuries LeBron's had of his entire career. This is the most time he's missed due to injury his entire career. Uh, Anthony Davis had the was it the calf slash a tendon or Achilles say, his, his leg his leg fell off yeah <laughs> again good for way. for the seventh time in his career his leg fell off. From, from his ankle to his hip it, it, even up to his groin just all of it it's just messed up he um, just like Inspector Gadget just like arms and limbs falling off at any given time so I mean I think it was a lot of things also Phoenix is one hell of a team. A team, a capital T. A team is a great team because you got Boss Man 99, <laughs> uh, you know, hitting shots, timely shots. You've got CP3 running the show. You've got, um, you know, Devin Booker, who is super disrespected for being – he's under 25, right? Yeah, he's, he's like our age. Yeah, uh, you know, DeAndre Ayton is is doing, you know, he's made steady improvements and is a, he was bullying AD in the block for a while down there. So like he he's got some potential there too as well. And just all around, Mikhail Bridges, like they just have a good And Cam Johnson and in the Cameron corner. Johnson. Cam Johnson in the corner. Cam Bone. Important minutes in the playoffs. Making layups over LeBron. Yeah. So it, it's just they have a solid core and they're not reliant on just Devin Booker or just DeAndre Ayton or just because I mean the the problem with the the Lakers this whole time has been their shooting their three-point shooting and they just haven't had you know someone that they can rely on you know solidly other than Anthony Davis and LeBron James KCP not confident uh Rajon Rondo is gone uh, one of the Morris twins, you know, not really, you know, Dennis Schroeder, he scored zero points in a, in a critical game. Like, you know, there's just no viable third option. And then when AD goes out, Marcus all question mark, like, you know, it's like, yeah, we, we're doing Montrez Harrell. Is that what we're doing in the playoffs to move on? Yeah. It's it just, it's not, they, they, they went all in. For, they went all in for the one season. It worked. They need to revamp that roster bad. Like, bad, bad. They need a third guy, like a third reliable superstar. Kind of makes you wish they had Kyle Lowry. <laughs> that would have been nice. So, who knows? So, let's talk about the or the last series. I almost almost forgot uh, the Clippers and the Mavs took it all the way to Game 7. Uh, and the Clippers pulled it out, pulled out that fourth quarter lead to win that series and are going to be taking on the Jazz. A super fun series for what it's worth for, uh, for from a, non, uh, a non-vested person. I think this was a, a fun series, but I know it hurts, buddy. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> It's this my the the when you get the like really irrational or whatnot. I don't want to be harsh and say 
that the role players on Dallas failed Luca. You can't go to a game seven and, and just flat out fail. It would be they would fail Luca if we got swept or a gentleman swept. Um, it went seven games, so you have to give some level of credit to even take a really good team like the Clippers seven games. Uh, but they absolutely did not step up when it mattered the most. And that I can say and feel very confident in saying. Um, we're paying Chris Tapsport $30 million a year to score eight points in a playoff game on like one of seven shooting. That's absolutely unacceptable. Um, Tim Hardaway in the first two games had some of the best shooting of his entire career. Games five uh, or games four, game six. Um, not as much uh, when we could have potentially put, put the series away and win it. Um, we folded. And I mean, you got to give credit to the team that when you have Kawhi Leonard, you're never out. Uh, you might struggle. You might be the butt of some jokes when you do uh, get in a hole, uh, but you're always going to have a chance because my God, that's the most frustrating person I've ever had to watch play against just because that he cannot miss from the mid range and he just does whatever he wants um, and does it pretty dominantly on both sides of the floor. So not only is he scoring at will, he's also defending the, the best player on the other side of the floor. And so just limitless motor, limitless energy. Um, I mean, I think and that, that looked like some MJ level stuff, this series. And it's just incredibly frustrating two series now where Luke Johnson's, plays out of his mind, out of his freaking mind, and has historic numbers in the playoffs, but can't get out of the first round. I mean, that just goes to show how tough the West truly is. Um, but it, there were some really puzzling moves uh, by Rick Carlisle, by the staff, um, some puzzling moves of players this season. I think one thing that ultimately did hurt, the Josh Richardson trade absolutely fell through, um, trading uh, Seth Curry to the 76ers. That was an absolute bust. We – what thought was going to be a really good trade for J.J. Redick, uh, bringing in a, a veteran leader to come off bench, but has a heel, didn't even play a single game in this series. Um, and we gave up a second-round pick for someone that's not even going to probably be on the team next year. Um, so there's been some very puzzling moves, and quite frankly, anyone not named Luka Doncic is on the block and should not feel safe with their job. The poor thing. And, that, oh. and I, I love him to death especially because that the man helped me meet my idol. But Rick, that also goes for Rick Carlisle. Because it's been 10 years since we won a series, and it happened to be our NBA Finals win, but we haven't won a first-round series in 10 years. And that's unacceptable. Yeah, I I think that that – the, of all the things, the Porzingis contract is, uh, is the worst of those. And – it's also one of the more defensible, but it's just, it's not been worth it. And I don't know if he, he's just never been the same since that one injury that he had when he first got there. It's, I can see why they would have wanted to make that move when they made it, but it's not paid it's off. It's officially the Tim Hardaway Jr. trade. It's not the Chris Stapps Porzingis trade because Tim Hardaway is playing much better. Even as inconsistent as Tim Hardaway is, it's more consistent than what Chris Porzingis is, and at least Hardaway's on the floor. Yeah, for more than fifty percent of the games this year. So, paying thirty million dollars to sit on the bench half the season and risk not making the playoffs, having to 
just make it out of the play-in. Um, so I was really excited for the trade, uh, it, especially when it comes to a series like this where absolutely no one helped Luca in the the defining moments. I don't think you can put anything on Luca. Luca's scoring 42 points with Kawhi defending him and Paul George defending him. He's putting up 40 points on the Clippers. Um, so it's, it's everything around him. And it's just so frustrating because it, it's time just has a weird way of just repeating itself in history. We had a guy that was a phenom, a European. Uh, I think you heard of him. His name's Dirk Nowitzki that was Ooh. just absolutely out of his mind in the playoffs, but had no one around him to get him on long playoff runs. And uh, every year you have to risk him leaving the team just because he has no one to help him and you can get incredibly frustrated. Um, if there's not some changes made that where we can at least get out of the first round, let alone try to make a deep playoff run, I don't expect Luca to stay on this team. And that's – this might be the first time where I might actually just be a fan of a player more than a team. And I'll just be a fan of wherever Luca goes. Because he's they're failing him right now. So, so, I mean, I know you already talked about um, homeboy, Kristaps uh, uh, Porzingis already, but like, I mean, to you, I mean, does it look like it's just his injury? Because like, I, I mean, he, he was the unicorn, man. Like he was legitimately like one of the most, you know, interesting prospects. And he, I just don't know what happened to him. So, I mean, as someone who's watched, you know, Mavs basketball, obviously a lot more than I have, I mean, like, has it been a regression thing or is it just like a playoff thing or like, like what is it with? I think it's a, a couple of moving parts. So, I mean, it's a devastating ACL injury, especially when you're seven foot three, he was out a year and a half yeah. with that because just with the overlappings of the seasons and then him not wanting to play and wanting to get traded and just sitting out before he got sent out. And then at a precaution Dallas is like, especially when they wanted to go with the long-term contract, like let's not, we're not going to make the playoffs. Let's just let you get healthy get back in shape, and then come back the next year. And so, I mean, with that time off, and then when he gets back, he has knee soreness, and he had the meniscus scare and the uh, tear in the bubbles last year um, where he's just not being able to play games consistently, so you can't get into a nice rhythm on that. But also, he's just – when he is there, I mean, he'll have a game or two that, where you see those flashes of what the unicorn – what you used to be, um, but it terribly inconsistent at this point. And – in a lot of ways, not using his size as he needs to be. Um, what was shown today in game seven, where you get the ball inside past a, a driving Chris Apps Porzingis to dunk over virtually anyone, that's how he should be played, not putting his back to the basket and, and fading away uh, or whatnot. I mean, it's just a, a complete misuse. So it's, it's, I don't think it's what Dallas thought they were getting. Um, it's certainly not what fans thought they were getting. So it's, it's becoming really frustrating. I wouldn't be surprised if there is a trade this summer, to be quite honest. So, like, how much do you realistically think you can get out of a trade for Chris Dobbs? I would think maybe a, a straight-up trade for someone. Like, one thing I, I maybe consider is maybe trading with Boston, getting maybe Marcus Smart and uh, uh, Robert Williams maybe for Chris Dobbs. Maybe no picks because because of his regression um, – Dallas might take on some maybe some bad contracts uh, rather than exchanging for picks. Uh, so maybe just going straight up players for players. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be able to ask too much 
for it. And so I don't know if it really is going to happen. If, if it doesn't happen, they need to get some damn help around Luca. people that can actually score consistently. And, I mean, it's another thing, too. We have so many players that went undrafted that we just happened to get and have turned into solid NBA players, like someone like Dorian Finney-Smith, someone like Maxi Cleaver, um, good players. But then you put them in playoff scenarios and people expect them to to rise the case. When, I mean, there's a reason probably why they went undrafted or – they, they haven't stepped up to that point anyways. Um, I mean, you put you take someone like Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Cleaver versus Reggie Jackson, Nicholas Batum, uh, Morris, Ivica Zubak. Uh, I mean, it's just not the same. Right. So is Donovan Mitchell good enough to be the best scorer on a finals for on an NBA championship team? At this point, I don't think so. I feel like the winner of the West is coming from the Denver Phoenix side of the bracket. I would say so. I mean, I hope the Jazz beat the Clippers and at least make the conference finals. Um, yeah, I, I think at this point, I think it's Phoenix. At, at this point, that's my pick by how they're playing. I'd agree. Because – uh, that them not having uh, Jamal Murray is, is going to eventually catch up with him. My adjusted um, adjusted prediction is Philadelphia Phoenix. I mean, they're still the Nets. We we still have to give the Nets a lot of respect. I mean, even no, with I, James I Harden going out, still beating the Bucks in Game One. I considered. Um, I considered the Nets. The Nets have been – Brooklyn has been considered. That's – I mean, that's my pick at this point. It's probably, I would say, Nets, Phoenix. And, hey, it's a, at least in terms of teams, it's, a, it's, it's something new and different for the NBA Finals. Maybe some of the players we've seen before, but new teams. I reserve the right to change my prediction before the last buzzer of the last game. <laughs> Always smart. Keep your options open. I think that the team that wins the NBA championship is going to be the team that makes it to the finals and then wins four games. 